spite of all the Zach Brown contracts, all the horrors that Scott Dixon could conjure, it is now and forever pullover. Pullover! Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Welcome to episode 470 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And in the words of esteemed poet laureate, Gordon Ramsay, finally, some good fucking food after that MotoGP taping we just had to sit through. Oh my um, god, something positive to talk about. Yeah, god. Um, welcome to the coronation in Portland of one Alex Polo, the penultimate round of the IndyCar season championship for 2023 happened and... Uh, well, Alex Pelot went full Babe Ruth. He said to Chip Ganassi before this race started, we're winning this championship right here, right now. I'm, I'm going to do it with a win. He called so his he shot. <laughs> he called his shot and he did it. He dominated the Grand Prix of Portland. Wait, 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 wait. How many laps he lead? 69. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Thank you and good night, everybody. I've been Dre Harrison. Thank you very much for yeah, listening. That's the podcast. Uh, see everyone next week. Yep. See ya. Oh, uh, whoa, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. We, we need to expand on this a bit further. Yes, um, we do. As you can probably tell by now, joining me as ever for the third episode of this recording, and we're all a little bit strung out. It's Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell. Say hi, gentlemen. Hey, everyone. Howdy. We told y'all. We told you it was going to be we, special. We, we told you. We. <laughs> Look, we did not don't... tell you directly. The li- we probably didn't tell you directly, the listener, but we try to tell a lot of people. We're just like, you know, this Alex Polo guy is. It's coming in. He's thriving for coin. He's got a Japanese co-sponsor. Is he really? Oh, yes, he is. Oh, he's <laughs> actually better than that. Because then you gave him Chip Ganassi equipment, and he has made it everyone's problem ever since. Especially Zach Brown. I think I've said it. A couple of years ago, and I, I will admit this, I think the intro is the most appropriate place for it. I distinctively remember the fuss from my two colleagues in this room right now over Alex Polo when he joined Dale Coyne um, over from Super Formula, and I never understood what the fuss was about about this kid. Even when he was at Dale Coyne, they had a very good rookie season at Dale Coyne. I was like, yeah. well, Dale Coyne's raised a bunch of youngsters and rookies into decent seasons like Ed Jones. That doesn't doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be anything special. And, and they plugged him into the 10. And then, and then they put him in the 10, and then it all went to shit. Um, I was like, oh, oh, okay, oh, oh, it's like that. Okay, that boy nice. Okay, okay fine. <laughs> that boy very nice. Um, um, shit. Okay. Yeah, um I, I I I have I can qualify this with but a mere summary of this season. He just curb stops Scott Dixon in equal machinery. Again, it doesn't happen that way. He's done it twice in three years, Cameron. <laughs> it shouldn't be possible. And Scott Dixon spent the last month reminding us us of who he is because yeah. he is still him on his day. And he was excellent again this weekend. Should have really finished at least in second place. He was screwed by another, what I like to call IndyCar competition caution. Yeah, and the worst, the worst thing we could talk about on this episode compared to a MotoGP caution is IndyCar's subjective yellows. A a 
a pejorative Subjective in the series about. that only IndyCar race director Kyle Novak likes. Because yes. I don't know of anybody else that likes this. I, I, I still remember the like on the radio after they were bunching the field back up again, Scott Dixon went ape shit in regards yeah, to... we were running out of beeps. Yeah, like the, the bleep machine was working overtime. I had to get a new hamster in the wheel. It's like that scene in Spongebob where he goes... So it took so long that they had to hire a new voice artist to do the voiceover um, because uh, uh, Mr. Krabs, you want to know what I think? <laughs> Mrs. Puff pulling out the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was it was one of those moments. He was apocalyptically angry yeah. at the fact that Rosenquist had jumped him because again, IndyCar had given him the uh, the luxury of being able to choose whether to go in the pits or not before the caution dropped for Augustine Canapino's, at the time, beached car. Um, more on that in a little bit as well, but we will talk a little bit about Polo. We will celebrate his uh, reign of terror slash dominance on the IndyCar series. I wonder if they'll call for a um, technical directive to stop Alex Polo from uh, dominating again for next year. Who knows? I'll um, pipe we'll down, to- Lewis. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. We're going to talk a little bit about IndyCar's most popular man. Well, second, Romain Grosjean. Um, as it turns out, he really will be leaving Andretti at the end of the season. He might be done in IndyCar in general. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe. But uh, certainly his time in the in the yellow or multicolored number 28 entry is also pullover. Or Grover, I should say, really, because I think, I think that sounds catchier. It's Grosjean. And we're going to talk about a little something we don't normally talk about on this show, and I think it's very fascinating to bring it up. The leader circle and how that's played into what I like to call IndyCar's relegation race. It's a fascinating uh, point of topic to talk about, and it's something that I feel like it's very fun. So we'll talk a little bit about that later. Also, I love the fact that in our chat, Steve, who's listening in, hi, Steve, goes, uh, why would Freddie Spencer do this? Which not <laughs> today, <laughs> Steve. And Eddie, yeah. Well, once um, he gets a reprieve, it was everything else wrong with MotoGP. We're Indeed. gonna we're gonna talk about a relegation battle that has nothing to do with Everton. Indeed. Here's so, where you, here's where you can find us: motorsport101.com. Indeed, you can find us on there. We've got uh, reviews of all the weekend's action from yours truly on there if you want some extra opinions. Uh, if you want to uh, back us on Patreon, you can at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our episodes. You can upgrade to 10 to listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded like Steve and Jason are right now. Thank you very much for joining, fellas. They've been here for, I, I want to say something like three hours already. You guys are sick. In yeah, the it's, tape. Uh, it's, it's, about seven, it's about 7.25 Eastern time right now. We started just after 4.30. Yeah, yeah. sick. Thank goodness it's not. Thank goodness we weren't recording. Look, we're not recording this tomorrow because, like, hey, NFL's back. Hey, exactly. this is the reason why IndyCar er- ends in early September. No kidding. Um, thank goodness for that. So all of that. Thanks again to those guys, the sickos that are still listening in uh, as we as we speak. Uh, shout out to them as ever. Social media. Dre on Dre underscore motorsport. Dre uh, underscore WTF on Twitter. I got the got the wrong employer. Um, C Buckley nine one seven out of RJ O'Connell. Motorsport underscore one one for the Twitter account for us. M so motorsport one one pod for the podcast itself. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram for all that good stuff as well, all of our social media on our website, of course, Motorsport 101 as well. So uh, let's uh, celebrate with some chicken uh, and let's talk about Alex Polo winning the Grand Prix of Portland coming up right after this. 
this is where I would do the famous uh, Norm Macdonald bit of not eating a single morsel of food until Alex Blow wins the championship. You tell me he won it uh, with a rounded hand. And then I would just stuff my face in a bucket full of original recipe Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) By the way, did you know that for the first time since the reunification of North American open wheel racing, we had somebody win the national title with a race in hand, he's done it. Alex Below dominated the Portland Grand Prix, leading a very nice 69 laps on route to nice. his fifth win of the season and the first early title win in IndyCar since unification. You have to go back to Sebastian Bourdais in 2007 in the Champ Car World Series to find the last driver who won it before the final round. Bourdais also did in 06 and 05. And oh, by the way, in 05, on the other side of the split in the IndyCar series, gentleman by the name of Dan Weldon did the double and won the championship with, with a round in hand. Below one over Felix Rosenquist, who made a late final stop before a caution and got himself a season-best second-place finish, and on top of that, got himself some job security on top of that, not mm. McLaren, and Scott Ditson, valiantly finishing third as the last man who could have stood in Pelot's way on the road of the championship. So, Dre, what did you make of Pelot's drive and him clinching his second Astor Cup? Shout out to Scott Dixon before I really get into this because Dixon was the only man in Pelot's postcode all day long, essentially. Um, he, he tried. He tried. He, he gave it everything he had. He dumped his entire push to pass by two-thirds distance. He tried to get back ahead on track position. He failed on that front too. And that's only for one reason, and that reason is because Alex Polo is that fucking good. Dumped his push to pass during, trying to undercut him, and Polo came out with a bigger gap up front. Yeah, Alex Polo is him. Like it, it reminded me a lot of the Indianapolis win, the first one he had there that started the the hottest run of his of his incredible season where he won four out of five after the month of May started. Where Polo on the primary tire is just otherworldly fast. Like no one Drove in the away field from no Rosenquist. one in the field could touch him. Like. You gotta remember, right? Because let's not forget, this race started with Graham Rahal on pole, and he was fantastic in qualifying again. This was gonna be the day that Graham Rahal finally ends the six-year streak, and it looked like that in the first stint. And then once pit stops cycled out, no, it was not. Nope. Like he passed Scott McLaughlin. McLaughlin dominated this race last year. McLaughlin was was pushed aside and was passed off camera. I know he was on the alternate to start off the race, and the alternate was not an ideal race tire at all. But Polo on scuffed primaries, he was Absol- faster than than fresh alternate runners at the starts of their stint. On that final stint, after the caution, Rosenquist was behind him on brand new alternates, and Pelot gapped him immediately. Pelot did not use a single set of sticker primary or Firestone Hollywood tires during the entire race. Uh, in a race that was supposed to be on the red, a.k.a. the Firestone Wolfpack tires. <laughs> Too sweet. No. Yeah, I mean, it just... Called a shot. He knew. He, 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 he fucking knew how fast he was, and he just 
He was in complete... He dictated the entire terms of engagement of this race, and Dixon was the only man who could even stay reasonably close to him. His used primary pace was absolutely untouchable. His start was perfect. His primary tyre form was perfect. Scott Dixon threw an unusually unlike Scott Dixon level of, of aggression strategically at him to try and beat him, and Dixon failed. You Rose want a microcosm uh, of yeah. everything great about Alex Pillow. This race had everything. Felix Rosenquist had the sticker reds to end the race and failed. Pull like, everything Got blown this field away. Yeah, that's the Every- thing though. Like this yeah. was this was people were saying this was going to be an alternate race. This ended up with the conditions being a primary race. It, it turned very quickly. Like those pra- the alternate tires would not last very long. And to that to your credit, Alice Pillow made the one set of alternates that he used. He didn't have the kind of dramatic fall off that other drivers did. Yeah, even when he was on the suboptimal tire, he was still better than everyone else. I've joked that he's the dark magician of IndyCar for the sorcery that he pulls off. He's upgraded. He's the full dark paladin. He's merged with Buster Blader. He is completely untouchable. This is like this. This is he's death when death shows up in Gauntlet Dark Legacy, and you just there's nothing you could do. You just run. That's Gauntlet Dark Legacy deep cut. I don't know how many of our listeners remember that shit. None of them on the PS2 because all of their PS2s lost the ability to read CDs after a week. It, it, hey. it, was a, it, it, it was a coronation. It was Ronnie O'Sullivan in the middle of a, of a championship winning century clearance. It was he, he danced on this field, and I cannot tell you how good this IndyCar field is. Scott Dixon, the last five six rounds of the year. Like, in fact, no, I stand corrected. I, I, I love Dixon's- what Jason. I love what Jason put in the chat. He's Darth Vader when you realize he doesn't have a health bar. I was like, oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you're not. You're not fighting him. You're running for your life. Um, <laughs> it's. It's like I need to point this out here. Scott Dixon, his average finish this season has been five point six. In any other IndyCar year, that is at minimum contending, probably a championship. And that was, say, and that has well, been tanked. That 5.8 has been tanked by an incident early in the season at Long Beach where he was stuffed in the tires by Pato Ward. That was not his fault. Otherwise, it's also, it's also has, helped heavily in the last month by two wins on the bounce. Yeah. yeah. Two wins on the bounce. He's at 525 points. I generally, we haven't, we have, we've stayed at about 17 rounds in IndyCar for a little while now. I've said general rule of thumb, 550 puts you in title contention. That's a very good year. 550 is roughly championship level. Dick Pelot is at 618. I say, Andre, drop me that track. 618. (laughs) 618. Like uh, Jason puts in the chat, hadn't Will Power had something around five last year? You'd be correct, Jason. His average finish last season, the year we nicknamed Zen Master Will Power, was 5.8. Alex Polo's average finish this year has been 3.8. Something that has not been done, again, since the unification of a sport to have a champion with an average finish below four. Let me read off this. This came out during the weekend, and I thought this was just astonishing. Across the first 63 starts of someone's IndyCar career, in terms of overall statistics, wins, top fives, and top tens, it goes as follows. Mario Andretti. Mm-hmm. AJ Foyt. Yep. 
Alex Pillow. He's only the sixth man in history to win two titles before his 27th birthday. In the first 63 career starts, he's the third greatest IndyCar driver we've ever seen. And the Uh, top two, uh, that's a pretty good company if you're between Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt. Arguably the two greatest racing drivers in North American motorsport history. <sighs> I do need to point out that that graphic that was shown on the broadcast is compared to Lowe specifically to the top five most successful drivers. Yes, Sebastian Bourdais had an all-time heater of a first 63 races. He did not finish top five in career wins. <laughs> <Yeah>. Which just <laughs> goes to show you how, God... Uh, the years com- after, after Toro Rosso, not been kind. Yeah, and, and this is a series that, as opposed to you know open class series where <laughs> the objective is to build the best car and then install the best drivers into it, this series is virtually spec. Uh, That's right. These stats, these numbers, Did these, I just this cut out season. There? Yes. A little bit, be fine. But like, I think you're fine. Like I said, overall, these numbers, these stats, everything that has come together this season is absolutely outrageous from Alex Polo. They are unfathomably great. This is the greatest single IndyCar season I've ever seen in the last eight years I've been a fan. And I've watched some quality seasons. Like, I watched Dixon in 2018 completely rip this field open. It was not like this. It, this Keep in mind this as well, right? That ma- 618 is with a regular points Indy 500. Single point 500. A, a regular points Indy 500, the pull-up. After, that, had- was, that was the race, so he was dead to rice because he got cleared out in the pit lane. Yeah, it was, it was beating he, the he brakes finished- off the field and got speared by Renus VK. If he had the extra awards, I think it's 32 points for finishing fourth. And on top of that, if it was a double point 500, he'd be, he'd be in range of Dixon's all-time scoring record from 2018. I think he had 670-something, which was just... Which is... This is otherworldly. I, I said this on Twitter, and I will say it again here. Max Verstappen is putting together an all-time ridiculous Formula One season. It will do. He will, he will do well not for him to have the greatest statistical F1 season we've seen since Jim Clark went perfect, right? I am not fully convinced Max Verstappen is driver of the year, and that's only because Alex Pillow has been that good. And IndyCar is a series that is designed inherently to prevent this from happening. The chassis are yeah, spec. Like- the tires are single supplier. Yo, the only things that are really open are suspension choices on aero, because you have a set, some sets of parts that you can pick, and picking between Honda and Chevrolet for engines. This shouldn't that, be possible. Yeah. None of this should be possible. It's only possible when you have a driver operating that far ahead of everyone else. And this year... His worst race was eighth. Two eighth places, Twice. one seventh. I think everything else is in the top five. Five podiums, like five wins, nine podium finishes. And Scott Dixon, like I said, the, arguably the greatest North American racing driver of the modern age 
is nearly 100 points behind him. And Dixon has had a fantastic season by all accounts. He's been incredible. He's fit. There you go. Jason in capitalists. He's finished outside of the top five four times this year in 16 races. What is this man? Like, honestly, it is completely ridiculous. On, on, like, we've gushed for the last 15 minutes about this, and I still feel like we're not doing him justice. Well, and I'll go on top of this as well. Disgustingly nice man. This, yeah. One of the honestly, nicest dudes like, in the paddock by all accounts. Always worth a I've laugh. Spoken, like, I've spoken to Jack Benyon about this. He's my colleague at the race who covers IndyCar gushes about what a genuinely lovely man he is he will give you time he will ask how you're doing he will always give you as much as he possibly can in terms of candidness and honestness we've had the fortune the fortune of having him on the wtf1 podcast earlier this year with harry benjamin and calvin o'keefe i was in complete shock when i found out they had polo on the show because they didn't tell me as i was editing the show that they had polo <laughs> on it and he was again a delight on that show as well he was as candid and as honest as you can be he is a disgustingly nice man he's almost too nice for his own good he's a fantastic ambassador for the series it says a lot about the state of Polo as a human, where the number 10 crew gushes over this man. And when he won the title, one of the first dudes to come over and congratulate him was Marcus Ericsson, who is leaving this team at the end of the season and gave him an enormous hug. Yeah. Like, And think of the difference in scenes from a year ago when he was effectively frozen out of that team due to the still ongoing contract drama. Dario Franchitti has his air. Yeah, the ten. That is Dario was there. Dario was there. Dario, was Dario there. Franchitti was there to watch this coronation. And talking about the contrast and scenes from a year ago, when we thought, is Chip going to pull Alex out of the car this week or next week? Chip Ganassi is in victory lane. Kevin Lee asked him, so is Alex going to be in your car this year? Chip says, Alice Pelot is going to be in our car. You can tell. I can tell you that much for sure. Oh yeah, Chip likes winners. And, uh, 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 Alex Pelot has been terminally winning this year. Uh, allegedly, a three-year deal apparently has been extended to Alex Pelot. Wow. From what I've been told, he's yeah, he's yeah, your that's, he that's is it. your guy. Oh, and by the way, Chip Ganassi also just got Linus Lundquist for the eight car. What the hell were you doing, IndyCar? So they have their guy who is in his prime beating everyone's ass. They have the wily old fox of Scott Dixon who's going to stay there for as long as he wants because, well, Scott, Scott, Scott Dixon. Dixon and Chip Ganassi. Mm -hmm. um, a combination as old as time and as successful as ever. And, oh, the new Scott, guy that yeah, you can our, mold into whatever you want him to be. I reminded that Scott Dixon still beat the hell out of everybody in IndyCar this year, not named Alex Polo. Yeah, he he exists in he, this, he, this chasm where he's way behind Polo on points, but he's way ahead of everyone else because Newgarden had another he, pretty mediocre showing. He had a he, <sighs> he's, he's he's fifty six points ahead of Joseph Newgarden in third. Dixon's in the land of his own. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I talked about it during the race. Like Joseph Newgarden, who won four races this year, has quietly put together one of the greatest mediocre, mediocre seasons. seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, he won almost every oval race on the year, won four times, and has led almost twice as many laps as anybody else this year. He finished third. You know what I've said about Carlos Sainz, where he's like, he's had the most C plus A minus season I've ever seen. 
That's Joseph Newgarden this year. Absolutely um, bonkers. You I know, mean, RJ. Just, just... Yeah. We picked a good one. I think we, I think well we done, picked gentlemen. a good one. Um, you know, you don't win. That boy's special. I look, we, we gushed after this guy's first Super Formula win, which, oh, by the way, was in some of the worst rain conditions I have ever seen where a race wasn't Monsoon. red flagged. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he grand slammed that race. Mm-hmm. By the way, he grand slammed that race, and the Nakajima racing team that he drove for hadn't won a race in nine years. Yeah. <laughs> you don't pull that off without being very, very special. He had a chance to be the series champion going into the final round of that year, and if the race hadn't turned out so poorly, who knows? Uh, up against, Jesus and Christ. Look, there's some really goddamn great drivers in super formula hashtag Naoki Yamamoto. yeah yeah absolutely nick cassidy ended up being champion that year and he's going to be he's been great for envision and formula e and he's going to be just as great for jaguar dre i know you were very very happy that nick cassidy is here and not somebody else alongside your man <laughs> anyway no, i'm on a tangent and, and, like and nick cassidy is a, a fantastic racing look, like, he's been like, brilliant yeah, like, yeah. for, for the last couple of years you, you don't do what he's yeah, been doing not, without being really goddamn yeah. special the naughtiest thing that alex below did was blocking elio castro nevis on cold tires coming out of the pits and like race control should have looked at that at most that's a drop one position penalty other than that Pelot had a perfect race. Yeah, yeah probably the closest Absolutely. thing to a perfect season you're going to see out of modern IndyCar. Um, the only yeah. thing- in a unified era with more full-time teams than anybody else, and the only things you can change with a car are select aero bits at select tracks and the dampers. And he just ran this field over. On a, on a scale we literally have not seen on the on one side of the split since 05, on the other side of the split since 07. The unified IndyCar series does not know a beating of this magnitude. Um, I even, good luck. I was even going back through racing reference for stats to find like the last highest finish before 1996. It was Rick Mears in 1981. Oh, Rick Mears, that guy. Fuck off. Pretty good driver. <laughs> he was all right. One of the greatest ever. Yeah, um, okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that the only blot on this season wasn't even his fault. And it was taking a dominant 500 and taking a Renus VK to the side pod. Oh, and he recovered yeah, and finished that fourth in that race. Fourth. Man, um, dude. What what can we say that hasn't already been said? Um, I, I like to uh, I like to look very smug right now because uh, I picked mm-hmm. this. You did, you did. That that, that I is special. Did not, I did not have the courage to to do so because look, I didn't know what was going to come out of this year. Like we were all going, I was thinking, yeah, this is a lame duck year because Below's on his way to McLaren. Now we didn't know we didn't have the foresight at the time to predict what was going to happen in the lead up to the Brickyard Grand Prix in August, mm-hmm. and like that's going to cause some headaches later on down the road because McLaren is still trying to get. Eight figures out of Pelot and his uh, his new management. Remember, like a month into the season, when Romain Grosjean was looking like championship favorite. Is that is that a good way to segue? It's not a good. Oh, it's yeah. not a good way to segue because it doesn't feel good. Because Andretti, auto, excuse me, Andretti Global announced heading into the weekend, and Romain Grosjean announced that 
You will not be returning to Andretti Autosport next season. Frenchman has already committed to some role in Lamborghini's new LMDH program, and he does still have offers on the table, including one to reunite with the team that brought him into the sport, Dale Coyne Racing. Uh, should he still be in the series, and what have you made of his time as yellow? I think I can answer the first question. Like, I've been harsh on Roman Grosjean at times, especially after the spring, but yes, he should still be in the series. If you're a team like Dale Coyne Racing, you are not serious if you were expecting Stingray Robert Devlin Francesco to be your number one option. Yeah, other than the fact that apparently Stingray Rob's going to Andretti. Good dude, God. What dude, in the, that's got to be like the... What in the <laughs> hell is Michael smoking? Dude. Money. Lots of money. Supposedly nine million clams. Dude, what? That's, yeah. Now, apparently, Does Andretti Global need to make a trade for cash considerations? Unironically, and this is from discussions from um, Marshall Pruitt's kind of YouTube. Um, is it a podcast? It feels like a podcast. Vlog, it feels vlog. like a podcast. In this case, more like more yeah. of a vlog. Um, Friend of the Indianapolis Star, Marshall Pruitt, by the way. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, originally the figure was around four and a half million. It is now uh, doubled to try and get where the hell is he getting that into the twenty nine? Where car. the hell is he getting that money from? <sighs> All we know is that Devon no. doesn't have it anymore. Oh God, yeah. I mean, look, I, I for those who don't know, I did a race review of this race. Of course, you, you probably knew that if you listened to me already. I went into a deep dive on this. I, I crunched the numbers on this season and. Um, Look, I came to one conclusion here. If Grosjean's been cut from Andretti, it's not for performance reasons. Like, I looked at the numbers across the board. The, the first thing I noticed, one, Andretti this year has been a bit worse than I actually thought they've been. Dude, they have. Because, Kyle Kirkwood has been the only driver that's performed at or above expectations. Well, and because, Dre, uh, it's, it's always not, looked... It's not... It's looked hmm. good in terms of pace... Sure. And then it just falls apart. It, it doesn't transfer to the stat sheet. Is what I like, like, like I looked at Grosjean's like I looked at the key stats of Grosjean last season. Last season, he was 13th in the championship. He had 321 points. He had a podium finish. Three top five, seven top tens, was to 17 races. Through 15 rounds this year, so this is before Portland, he was 12th overall, 271 points, two podiums, two top fives, three top tens in 15 races. And this is a guy that was bitterly unlucky at the start of the year. He was robbed of at least 40 points in St. Petersburg, like given the McLaughlin incident. You give him the 40, not the 50 out of that race, and I'm being harsh when I only say 40, he's about even, is what Think I would Texas. say. Think about Texas as well. Texas was, again, very, very marginal incident with David Malukas on that one. Didn't like, The punishment did not fit the crime, in my opinion. Like Barber again, bitterly unlucky in that one as Push well. Pass failure. Like you give him another fifty points, he's broken even from last year, and no one was complaining about Romain Grosjean overall last year. Oh, well, I think Alex Rossi right. was. Well, Alex Rossi complains about everybody. Um, um, yeah, and Romain Grosjean himself even said, "Look, I I can be I could be kind of an ass as a teammate, and that's something that he worked on. But apparently, it's just like." When Roman Groshan has a bad day, and he had bad days when he was at Haas, like 
he could be miserable for all the other people working around him. And we saw that blow up at the Indy Grand Prix mm. in May. We saw it again in Portland. Michael Andretti said, you know, hey, something to the effect of like, you know, when he has these bad days, he can be tough to work with. I mean, sure. you can be you could be a dick if you're winning. Winning cures a lot of ills in the sport. If you're Absolutely. not winning and you're blowing up at your crew like that, and as much as I am a historic Romain Grosjean fan, I'm still mad about Japan 2013. Um, sure. Yeah. Too much of it this year has been on him too. To yeah. be able to, that's a portion of that. To be able to, you know, berate your team like that. You have to be able to take accountability. And the evidence of what I've read from people like Marshall Pruitt and others across the board this year in IndyCar has been that Grosjean has had a unfortunate tendency to lash out at his team on numerous occasions, including this past weekend in Portland, where in qualifying, we, we saw him on the hard camera visibly going at it with his crew chief. Yeah, that, like, that's crazy. Like Paul Tracy you almost can't... got fired from his team because of that in 98. But though to be fair, Paul that. Tracy almost wrecked his team, also wrecked his teammate at Houston one time. And, and Barry Green, his boss, told him, You deserve that, Paul. Dude, um I think it's crazy because like Roman Grosjean, outside of the working environment, when he's not like having a bad day like that, one of the nicest people in the sport. And one of the most popular people in the sport as a result. People love him, and rightly so. He's a good person with a good heart. And I know that. He, you know, he means well in how he gets down, but yeah. he, he's got a short fuse. There is no getting around that. We've seen multiple times on hard cameras. The evidence is overwhelming that he has a short fuse and he takes it out on his team. And you cannot do that in public in motorsport. People will eviscerate you for it. And, yeah. he's, and he's a passion. He's, he celebrates the success and it blows up about the low at about the, the defeats just as passionately. Um, right. And, and lately, and that's a problem. And lately he's had a whole lot less success to talk about because the second half of this year has been really poor, but not just for him, for all of Andretti difference is I hope, the guys like Kirkwood yeah. and Herd are putting their heads down and trying to get on with it. Grosjean's right. average finish since the month of May has been 15. And that is that does not reflect the pace that he that he and the rest of that team has shown. But that's the Andretti way lately. With yeah. four retirements, not all of them have been his fault, but not none of them has been his fault. I want I want the coin thing to go through, and I hope that it re, rekindles like some of the form that he had in 2021, where he was should have been rookie of the year, if not for the fact that he didn't run every race. Right. I know, like, he's coming up to 40 years old. Like, Romain Grosjean in IndyCar was always going to be, it was never going to be a 20-year thing. There was not enough time for that. But it's the time at Andretti Autosports should never have gone as bad as it did. I, I'd say, like, it's it's been a disappointment. But then again, Jack Harvey and Simon Pagano going to new employers was supposed to work great for everybody involved, and... None of it did, and that's before accounting for Pagano's injury. Uh, Don't get it. You know, I'm really sad. 
I know. Um, Me too. Like, because uh, it wasn't supposed to. It wasn't supposed to go this way. The Indy 500 death lineup. I mean, it's been successful in sports cars, although under dubious circumstances, given the recent happenings with Meyer Shank. Um, I really hope this isn't the end of Simon Pagano. I really hope so too, because like Simon Pagano can still offer, can still offer something. Like I know he turns forty years and next year, and this is all contingent on if he is ever cleared to race again at this high level. He can still offer a team in the IndyCar series something, and I know for damn sure he could still offer a team at the highest level of prototype racing something for many many years to come. But I mean, I'll we just say... have to wait and see if he's he could race. If if this is the end, first of all, I hope his quality of life is such that he can be okay. Um, yeah. And I feel like I picked a good one. Yeah, you picked the great one. He is one of the, the best drivers of this era. He has won everything you can win in this sport. He, let's not forget his incredibly dominant 2016 Astor Cup com- and campaign of his own where he laid waste to this field. I think he won seven races that season. Yeah. He was yeah. so, so the most good. Most dominant Indy 500 performance of the modern age in 2019. Oh, yeah. Um, swept the month of May and ripped it out of Alexander Rossi's hands at the time when Alexander Rossi was the guy pound for pound at Indianapolis. Yeah, he was the best 500 driver in the field year on year. A constant perennial angry threat to win the 500. The only the year only on bright year. spot of Penske's 2021 Indy 500 run. Oh yeah, podium finish there too. And just on top of that, a live wire that didn't take himself too seriously in this series wasn't always prepared to have a smile and a laugh. Did a lot to promote the series and and his time at the top and yeah. was never afraid to be himself or speak his mind in a series that lets you speak your mind. And oh, I love... That's what made him such an incredibly charming and likable person. You know, when I got to see him in 2016, actually before the start of his absurd run, um, when they were promoting that Boston IndyCar race, that, uh, woo, that that turned into a whole, a whole bag of dicks. That turned into a big bag of dicks. Um, and I came <laughs> from sports cars, and my dad can attest to the fact um, I, I went up to talk to him. No one was around him. That's how I'm a big fan because I was a fan of him sports cars. And he goes, you know me? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. And we talked about sports. I talked to him for like 15 minutes, not only about IndyCar, but sports cars too. Um, oh, so yeah. I mean, even when I went to Petit Lamar with RJ and a whole bunch of the crew in 2019. Yeah. Simon was there. Simon was there, had a minute to chat while we were, he was walking to the car for qualifying. Um, always made it a point to take a moment for a fan because in his own words, he, that's what he wanted when he would talk to a racing, try to talk to a racing driver when he was a little kid. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. If this is the end of Simon Pagino, I am glad I got to pick him as a race for a racing driver as a fan. You did good. You did good. A great driver, a great person, and uh, we hope it's not the end. And, of course, uh, continued best wishes towards Simon Haley and, of course, the whole family. Um, hopefully it, it's not the end of the story for Simon Pagano one way or the other. 
Now let's talk about a little something quite interesting there. That this is something that not a lot of people I notice in IndyCar talk about. Very well, because often. well, because I tried to talk about this a couple of years ago, and then it seemed like the rules of this changed like every other week. Like there was a part-time car that was in the top twenty-two in the owners' points, but it doesn't count for leader circle points, even though it does. Oh man! So yeah. the leader circle. What the leader circles is. Top 22 in ours points, top 22 full-time teams that run every single race get a $1 million prize bonus. It's basically like Premier League's, the Premier League's relegation battle. <laughs> Only mm-hmm. this one doesn't involve Everton, doesn't involve Luton Town. <laughs> well, it's a lot like when we had 12 teams, or, or more than 10, I should say, in Formula One, where the top 10 get the money. The other two at the bottom? Eh, sucks to be them. All right, so I've got the we got an up to date standings here. So we do. I'm going to go on Wikipedia as well. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. Only only nerds appreciate that. By the way, thanks, but Toto. Of course. Here's who I know was definitely safe. So 19th through 27th, I could say that the number 14 AJ Foyt car driven by Santucci Farino is safe. I can also say the same of Elio Castroneves' number 06 car, the car that's going to be driven by Tom Blumquist next year. I can tell you in all confidence that the number 51 Dale Coyne Rick Ware car currently being driven by Stinger is confidently not going to crack the top 22. And the same for the number 55 car of AJ Ford Enterprises, which by some miracle, might still be driven by Benjamin Peterson, who has a multi-year deal and quite a big, bit of backing behind him. And plus, like, eh, I guess he could always take a chance on the fastest rookie to ever qualify for the Indianapolis 500, who also got parked for an oval race for being too slow. I don't get it. But here are the team. But I want to get to the point, like, there are five teams within 15 points of one another, and only the top two are going to finish in the top in those two spots to lock down that million dollar bonus. I was going to say, yeah, it, 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 then there, and I'll get to this after RJ explains, but there is genuine big ramifications regarding where these five cars finish up. So in the number 20 car at Carpenter Racing, 179 points. They are seven 20, points yeah. above the cut line. That is the card being driven by Ryan Hunter Ray. 22nd, holding on to that spot is the number 30 Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing car. Being driven by Yuri Vips. Yuri Vips. Uh, we got time for that. We got time to talk about that yeah, after this. Uh, um, I, I yeah. honestly prefer we just leave it. Um, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, I'll keep it brief. If you, like, if you are white and you are commenting on this, you do not have the authority to tell people of color whether or not I should forgive someone like Yuri Vips for dropping an M-bomb on a stream and whether he should be given a second chance. People of color do not normally have the luxury to be able to make those kind of decisions. I'm not going to tell you forgive him. Fuck that guy. I can, I can also say this. Yes, he was the top rookie in 18th in this race, but that's also because Marcus Armstrong and Augustine Catapino uh, Marcus had Armstrong through. had such a good race going and had a disastrous again, stop. Seven. He was running seventh at the time. Okay. God damn it. All right. Anyway, big board. Twenty car, seven points above the cut line. Thirty car on the cut line. Twenty nine car. This is the Devlin DeFrancesco car. Three points behind twenty second. The tw- the sixty car that is 
going to be driven by Tom Blumquist uh, in the finale at Laguna Seca, is six points behind the cut line. And the number 78 Yokos Hollinger car of Agustin Canapino is eight points behind the cut line. There is, big, yeah, there is big ramifications on this, not just in terms of the extra million dollars of funding if your car cracks the top 22. We've got it on good authority. Andretti will downsize to three cars, potentially, if Devlin's 29 doesn't make it. Yeah, basically, it's a question of whether they can that car entirely or if Stingray Rob's big bag of bucks uh, sustains that car into next year. But why? Like... Stingray rob his cheeks. $9 million. Jesus That's enough to subsidize that seat and then some. They might might actually... For who? They might actually (laughs) make money, no matter how ass he is, with that kind of funding. That's crazy. That's like, like, you know, the Oakland Athletics being profitable while they just completely flagrantly tell their fans to go fuck themselves. Yeah. If Stingray rob doesn't end up in that seat... Andretti have already said they are likely to get rid of the 29 car entirely. I would talk about the 78 car. Yeah, because like, like, and it, we have it on, again, that like Ricardo Junkos kind of spoke about this on the record after Portland finished mm-hmm. on social media. He claims that there is an agreement to keep Canapino for next year. Allegedly, behind the scenes, he's telling people that Canapino likely will not be back if he doesn't make it. And it's a shame because Canapino has done, generally speaking, nothing really wrong this whole season. He's been been, great for the sport. He's been quick, but at the same time, he has been a bit erratic. It's more in the second half than the first half, which is surprising to me, given the way... His results have dropped off a cliff. The last five races, 26th, 20th, 21st, 22nd, 26th. Yeah. That's a problem. First half, he was doing solid. And yeah, he's also got three 12th places this year, which is not bad at all for a rookie. Yeah, it's just the, the trend needs to go back in the other direction. Yeah, it's it, 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 like his, his, his end of year form has, has dropped off a cliff, which is a bit of a problem. Um, and that's been unfortunate. And like, allegedly, Jinkos has said on the record he will run two cars no matter what next year. The question is, is Canapino going to be in that chair if he does? There's another question, like, is Kalamilat's going to be, is Kalamilat going to be a Junkos Hollinger racing car or a Aero McLaren with Junkos Hollinger racing car? I, I, I love that Junkos also said in that video that uh, he a lot of these talks happen about McLaren and other places, but they don't actually go anywhere, which is a really polite way of saying that Zach Brown is often full of shit. Or at least I'd like to think that in my head. <laughs> I think that's legit. Personally. I think that's correct to think. Um, also, just think of the irony it would be to see McLaren and Yonkos Racing join forces. Christ almighty. <laughs> like, like, that only just dawned on me. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Fernando, Fernando Alonso and Kyle Kaiser uh, oh. from completely opposite ends of the world just completely spit out their drinks. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's wild dead. on that one. I got better. Yeah, it's, that's another one to play to come into play. Um, I'm I'm pretty adamant that 
Rahul Lerman Lanigan Racing cut Jack Harvey two rounds out because of this entrant point situation and rolled the dice on Vips. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm all- which, is, which is crazy because like you're throwing him at, yes, he's been testing for them since October. Hashtag, it's, it's like my friend, it's like Holly Anderson of the Shutdown Fullcast frequently says they wanted to, so they did, but like, even he was struggling to acclimate. You're throwing a rookie into this spot? Because Jack Harvey yeah. was ultra cheeks. Yeah, he was awful. Uh, and Connor Daly could have gotten you these points. Could th- This year? I don't know about that. Connor Daly was also cheeks. Connor Daly was also cheeks, and he's the reason why the 20 is in such a deep hole in the first place. There was a couple... Hunter Ray uh, has not been... Hunter Ray has not been anything special. But been more special we than knew that. that going been in. More special than the last guy in the seat. It's 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 unfortunate. Yeah, and so, who gets it? Who gets who gets these last two spots? Because I think for me, Ryan Hunter Ray is going to do just enough at Laguna Seca. And I think Tom Blumquist is going to jump two spots because, like, he needs a good result to really kickstart his twenty twenty four campaign yeah and he was in in the time we saw he was quick if nothing else we know tom blomquist is fast i'm looking at the scoreboard it's a lot of work for tom to get up two spots he needs six points though six points which at that back end of the table might be five or six positions it's the difference between yeah there's a difference between like 17th and 24th I, I, like right now, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Devlin's in the best shape. Wow. That has never been said on this podcast and never will be said again. Devlin is three points below the line and he's got Vips directly in front of him. I can't believe I'm saying this, but in that scenario, I would probably take DeFrancesco over Vips given the current climate. To save that car at Andretti Steinbrenner Racing... And to keep Stingray Rob gainfully employed. Yeah. Woof. I think Devlin gets there. I really do. I'm not convinced on Vips. I think that was a desperation Hail Mary throw from from Rahal Letterman Lanigan racing to put to put him in there over Harvey in the first place. I think Canapino is too far back. Um the only blessing for him is that is that Junkos went really well at Laguna Seca last yeah. year with Canamilot. Maybe set up wise they might have something that might get Canapino in the top fifteen if they if he does, maybe he pulls off a miracle here. It's but that's it. It's gonna take a miracle. It's it's gonna take a it's gonna take a top ten finish from one of those dudes to really shake it. Because the way the scoring works, you don't start jumping up on two points per spot until you get to the top ten. It's a point per position from 11th place downwards. And of so, all those cars, only one of them has a top 10 finish all season. That was Connor Daly in the 20 car at the Indianapolis 508th. Yeah. So you're talking, if you're eight points back, you're likely looking at eight positions. That's hard to pull off at the back end of the field like that. Yeah. I think I think the best shot you have is, is Devlin leaps over Vips into 22nd. That's my shout. And look, Here's what I'll say on top of all this. They need to expand the leader circle beyond 22. I agree. You, I agree. You, you cannot champion expansion in this series 
and talk about, you know, oh, we got 27 full-time cars, but then you're only paying 22 of them to be there. It's the same, it's you're the asking, same as Formula One a few years ago. When we had more than you're 10 You're asking games. teams to retract. You're, you're, you're asking teams to sacrifice and make bad decisions and retract. Like, you can't be sitting and saying, yeah, let's get more cars on this grid and then not pay them for being there. Open your wallets or don't bother. That's like, why, that's why, that's that's why I said that about IndyCar this year. <laughs> Many. Spend some damn money. I love me some IndyCar. But, like, f- like the fact that five cars are not going to get paid f- to be there and a million dollars is a significant amount of money. For like that, that's twenty percent of a team's budget, roughly for the year. That's like two you two Las Vegas Grand Prix tickets standing on only. Why do you think the teams in for in the current climate of Formula One are pretty much all banding together to try and stop another entity, Andretti, joining global? Because if Andretti, Andretti global, global gets in, someone has to finish eleventh in the constructors, and someone ain't getting paid. This, but here's my but 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 to that I say, Formula One, you're making more and more money. You need to open up that prize pool. You can do it. Say the, we know you ain't broke. Say the same here. We know Penske ain't yep. broke. Pen, Roger Penske has stacks. There's no good reason why this isn't opened up and gestures wildly. All of the other things that we've said this year regarding IndyCar not wanting to invest in themselves just comes right back to the fore. If you want more cars, yeah. it, like it, it's too much of a risk. We shouldn't be talking like, don't get me wrong. We're all a little bit guilty of patting IndyCar on the back when cool things happen. Like it's cool that there's 27 full-time cars on this grid. There is no point in celebrating that. If you are risking two or three of them getting blown up every year when they can't make the leader's circle. Yeah. And not only that, we're just we're having the discussion of like leader circle expanding to basically just be the equivalent of NASCAR charters. So, right. Yeah. In that sense, if you're if you're pushing for that, you should be pushing for for more leader circle teams. You sh- that's what you should be pushing for. Yeah, you want a if you you want a you want a more stable sport, right? And you you get more stability by having more guaranteed teams and guaranteed. You want a sport that's so t- stable that you're threatening the one big draw of the difficulty of qualifying for the Indianapolis 500, allegedly. Try and make that happen. So open your wallets up, IndyCar. I know you can do it, Roger. You've more than got the money and the capability and the resources to do if so. If it was about it's paying cars to extra... show up for the Indy 500, it wouldn't even be a question. Right. No. Yeah, and yeah, the funded that barely got to 33 last year. You know, if we got there a bit more comfortably this year. We had to bump one dude, but, like, it was... Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Like, I'm not even saying 27. Can we get it to 25? 25. Give me 25. 25 in the leader circle. Just, I, I don't want, I don't want 25 eight of the 500 again. Right. I think, um, I think we should have learned that lesson 30 years ago. Oh, Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> the IndyCar season finale. It's sadly, it's a bit of an exhibition race um, on this occasion. I guess there's a fun fight for third in the championship between New Guard and Award and we're going to keep half an eye on if you're that way inclined. The Given a Sake is always a fun track. It's a, it produces fun races. We'll see how that goes down. Championship decider, the final race of the season this weekend at Monterey Laguna Seca. 
Hope you're there for that. We'll also, don't worry, we'll also do an IndyCar season review uh, in a couple of weeks' time as well. They're always fun to break down and have a look at. There's, well, I think there's a lot of in- interesting stories beneath this, the obvious polo yeah. surface this year. Uh, it's been a very, it's, it's been a fascinating season. Uh, generally, even if, if even if you want to say one more time, Alex Polo, just an unbelievable, incredible season from the Spaniard. All hail the fried chicken master himself. And uh, yes, uh, we'll see how the rest of the field shakes out. But uh, an incredible display from Alex Polo all year long and a very, very worthy two-time Aster Cup winner and IndyCar Series champion. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week. Sayonara. Adios. I think Ryan Eric King just woke up in a cold sweat. <laughs>